I'm Marcus Brown. This is a Runner's Life podcast. This is a platform for richer conversations that explore the person behind the runner. I discuss the topics that influence us as runners locally, whilst concurrently connecting us to the wider global community. If you found value in the show, please subscribe and share with your community on social media and leave a rating on Apple Podcasts or the platform selected as it helps the podcast grow. If you want to support my work directly, you can become a member on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash a runner's life. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's head to the conversation. Hi, Jill. Welcome to a runner's life podcast. How are you getting on? Yeah, all right. Thanks. I think it's um it's strange times, but you know we're um, we're coping. <laughs> it's good to hear, and uh, yeah, we're trying to do the best that we can with the crazy situation that we find ourselves in. Um, before I jump into the questions, I wanted to share an experience with you that you probably remember going quite a way back. I, the first time I think I met you, we were doing a uh, photo shoot for a, a running brand, and I remember we had to do the photo shoot and some other bits and pieces. And part of their publicity for the time was to do like a Strava fast mile and we ran it and um, I was considerably slower than I am then I am now. And, and I was just a different runner, different person. And I remember you just having this amazing drive to sort of do it. And we ran it. And then after we, we had to come back and we had to do the other bits and pieces and you were like, I need to go back and do it again. I need to give it my best shot. And I was and I was like, like, what? Why? Why would you do that? Like, that's so weird. And, and but now I think I get it. But at the time, I kind of didn't really appreciate it. And then I was like, and I stepped back. I thought, do you know, that's really cool because you've got that kind of drive, that determination, that kind of the fun part that you want to go and do it. Um, where do you think that sort of came from? That's so funny because you know, like I, I didn't even think of that as being weird at the time, and. Um, and yeah, I can, I can totally see what it is. Interestingly, I just did my first ever um, mile time trial uh, since then, probably the other week, which was um, an interesting experience. But yeah, I don't, uh, do you know what? I don't know where that really came from because I was never, I wasn't sporty in school. Um, I only came to running late in life, um, largely on my own and then joined a kind of running crew for the kind of social side of it. And I don't know I think I didn't realize that I'm just a naturally competitive person um probably more against myself than other people and I think I don't know we all second guess ourselves don't we and I think um I often finish something and think oh you muppet you could have done that better and something like that you can just jump back in and have another go which I really like I know I thought it was really cool and now I can understand it but I think at the time I was sort of in the beginning phases of my my running. I was getting back into it and I was just doing, you know, just what I thought was enough at the time. But um, it was good to sort of see that drive and determination. I think, like you said, it was, it sort of showed me like you're just trying to be like your best self. You weren't trying to be like, obviously you would like to have got, you know, the top, the fastest mile, but that wasn't your your goal when you were speaking about it. Um, And that really sort of stuck with me and kind of, put me forward like do you know what I mean this inspired me as I went into my own sort of running as I sort of developed further along so um yeah thank you for that so I just wanted to share that before we, we get started it's funny like I, I didn't even realize and and it's really lovely isn't it how like those little moments can impact other people and I, I'm there's similar things that have happened to me over my life I'm sure that particularly in running where someone's done something they didn't even realize and and it's great how you can, yeah um things like that can be positive impact on other people when you don't even intend it to be yeah you're just passing it forward but it's by doing and being who you are which is a really cool thing um so let's go back to the very start of your running journey what was your first running memory um i had finished university and moved to london i was living on my own um, in a place called cricklewood in northwest london and I ran to catch a train to go to one of my first jobs after graduating. And I was running down the platform and I got out of breath. And I just thought, this is ridiculous. I'm like 22. I'm getting out of breath running for a train. Uh, like, what, what am I going to be like in a couple of years time after a desk job? And um, so that's basically why I started running. I was too skint to join the gym. Um, so I had an old pair of shorts from I think it was like sport and soccer I think they were boys shorts actually and a t-shirt and I just started running around the block and so that's kind of how it all started really and I think I was quite a um a sort of 
I'm quite an introvert anyway. And so I like the fact that it was something I could just do on my own and keep doing and keep doing. Um, yeah, and I potentially have a bit of an addictive personality when it comes to running. So I think that kind of built from there, really. But you've gone on to run with like groups, as you've mentioned before. So how do you sort of move that from that space between being like a confident introvert to then uh, running with a group? The first group I started running with was a group called Advent Running, um, which was started by a lady called Claudia Schrogel and a guy called James Poole. Um, and it was kind of one of the running crews. It, was, it wasn't it was like your kind of Nike Run Club. It wasn't, um, it was slightly more misfit than that in some ways. Like Nike Run Club always seemed like super cool. Advent Running started as this thing where um, people ran for 30 minutes every day in over Advent to kind of counteract the excesses of Christmas and I kind of I can't even remember why I stumbled across them but they were doing this thing called Babel Run where they'd meet um, very early on a Friday morning at Brick Lane uh, and run around the city uh, and then finish up with a bagel and it just looked really fun and I just joined them one morning I can't even remember why I decided to and they were just such a friendly bunch um, and it kind of went from there and I never even thought about joining an athletics club or anything like that because that just sounded terrifying and then that kind of grew because a lot of those people were like ultra runners and they were kind of all into that and traveling to run which was like a whole new idea to me and obviously I started getting FOMO and wanted to do what they were doing and then it, um and then uh, I ended up getting involved in the BBC running club and then my local athletics club and things like that and just discovered that actually runners at their heart just love what they do um and it's so it is it is so simple. I mean, a lot of the time we make it not simple, but it is so simple. And um, and I just really enjoyed that. I think it's just really simple to make friends with people by running. And you can have conversations while you run in a way that is much less terrifying and intense than meeting people in other situations, which for someone like me, who the idea of sitting one on one facing someone in a room um, is yeah it's kind of scary but running next to someone you can have a chat that's much more free-flowing and you tend to find that runners are quite a friendly bunch anyways and you know everyone's got a story or you know some sort of drive behind them and it's just so interesting to sort of find out you know what that is for them why they run and and something we can all sort of relate to really I think that's what kind of bonds us together really Yeah, definitely. I mean, I was listening to a couple of your other podcasts and obviously I listen to a lot of running podcasts and they're just fascinating, aren't they? Like you can listen to the same person on multiple podcasts and it's still really interesting because just the way that running kind of frees your mind up, um, I think, yeah, allows you to kind of work through stuff and it reveals stuff about you. And so inevitably those kind of chats people have on podcasts or as you run are just absolutely fascinating and whether you run for in inverted commas fun like uh, people kind of make it sound like that's not a valid reason to run but like you know if you're not competitive but you're still running then you still got reasons to run or you might run purely to hit a time and equally that's totally fine and I love finding out about that as well like you must do which is why you're doing the podcast so yeah, I think runs are a fascinating part. I think the irony of this time that we find ourselves in is that we can't race. So that part of ourselves has to be kind of paused. And actually, you have to go back to why you enjoy it, the fun part. So, you know, I think whereas we might have, not you or me, but, you know, whereas people might have, you know, maybe judged that a bit harshly before, actually, it's really important because you know, with such uncertainty, we just don't know when racism are going to resume. Although we've got like a general idea, but we still don't know. Will society be ready? You know, what I mean, well, we just, there's so many factors that are in, in place. So, um, I mean, how are you sort of dealing with the current situation with like cancelled races, not being able to see your, your running uh, mates uh, in, the, in the running groups that you're in? Yeah, um, it's been a funny couple of years anyway. So I had a, a kid, my first boy, um two years ago or just over two years ago and so my interaction with my running clubs and running friends has been a lot less since then because as I'm sure you know um it restricts kind of your movements quite a lot in yeah. that you know understandably you want to get straight home from work to see your kid and also you can't 
leave in the evenings because you've got to stay in with the baby and in the mornings you know one person's got to look after them all that kind of stuff anyway so the running groups have been amazing at keeping in touch with me but I haven't actually seen as much of them as I would have done in the past so I think that's kind of um, eased me out of that a bit um, racing wise again I've kind of been building back up to racing um, after having Monty um, and yeah, I was kind of really starting to get into the point where I was ready to knock on the door of a PB again, hopefully. Um, and so I was trying to mix things up a bit after a kind of a bumpy patch over Christmas and was ready to kind of build a little bit in a kind of different way in the, in the spring, test that a bit at London. And then the aim was to go full blast in the autumn. And obviously that's all up in the air now. Now, I'm really lucky in that, you know, London Marathon this year was never going to be my kind of perfect race because I've been kind of working the training up a bit in the uh, in the spring. But it, yeah, it has tested things because I love racing. Um, I really like that jittery feeling on the start line um, and that kind of the post-match analysis afterwards. Um, but I've been surprised how much it hasn't bothered me, actually. Um, which I hope shows that I do really run for the love of it. Um, it was been the kind of the autumn last year um, in the run up to the marathon that I did then. So I finished in Valencia. It was really tough um, fitting training in. It, it drained kind of family life a bit. It was a bit of a, you know, my husband's been brilliant, but I constantly felt um, a bit guilty about doing training, which um, and sort of trying to fit it in and things. And so I was kind of, really feeling a bit disillusioned with it all so I think maybe actually this has come at the perfect I'm, I'm lucky in that I think it's come at the perfect time for me because it's just given me time to step back and go I'm just getting out every day um, and the headspace is what I need and it's fine to mix up the training a bit because there's no racing happening anyway I've done some 5ks which I've not done before really um, which has been really interesting to try and push myself on my own so yeah I think I am lucky in the way that it has panned out for me and that it doesn't affect me that much. I think it's interesting. You sort of talked about the impact of having kids and how it just changes things. And I can completely relate to that. So was, when someone was saying to me the other day about me doing the world marathon majors, and I was like, yeah, I could do that before I had kids, but now it'd be completely different because you know, you'd feel guilty if you didn't bring your family along with you or that time away. You know, we've got limited amount of annual leave and you'd rather spend mm -hmm. that with your kids. Um, this is obviously before uh, COVID-19. So, um, but what I really got from what you're saying there actually is that this time has really sort of made us sort of pause and just be still and just really consider what's important um, and just maybe just look at maybe the way that we were doing things in like an automatic type way, um, which I think yes. you sort of, did sort of yeah. touched on. I think it's something that I was kind of learning anyway, which I need to work on more, is that I, a lot of my identity is tied up in running now. Um, I, I am, I kind of joke, but pretty average at most things. I'm not awful at most stuff, but I'm not great at most stuff. And running was one of those things where I suddenly realised that actually if I trained hard, just because I was motivated enough to get out there a lot, I could actually become better than most people I knew just not because I'm talented but just through sheer brute force um and so I think then I fell into that trap of of my identity becoming too tied up in it and I think motherhood and this have kind of shown me that again that is a that is a trap because the desperation to kind of get back to it after having a baby and the desperation to kind of go oh, but if I can't run twice a day isn't that awful kind of thing made me go oh okay need to watch that um and I still need to watch it. I'm not saying I've nailed it at all but I, I think it's been a really good little um kind of wet fish around the face kind of moment um but it has also revealed to me how much it benefits me so just getting out even if it's for three miles on a buggy run in the morning is just brilliant um it's headspace it's you know, it, it just makes such a difference to the day. And I'm so grateful for it. I think um, it sounds cheesy, but yeah, it's made me not take it for granted. 
yeah, I can relate to that because I feel like we said like before, like the day sometimes can be quite automated in the sense of that um, we've got a structure today. But the thing I find with running is it's you know you've got that physical and that mental sort of um, discomfort to a certain degree. It's not always fun, and it kind of shakes you out of your kind of normal uh, way of life and makes you question not question things but just think about things and gives you time to chew things over and. I think it's been like a really good time to, you know, just have fun with it. But I can sort of relate to what you're saying about the identity part being wrapped into it, because I, even something I would do is I, I remember before COVID, I'd be like, I'd wear my Garmin to work. Mm-hmm. And that's like a signal that I'm a runner. <laughs> and I was yeah. just like, I need to like, no, I need to take this off because it's, I'm getting too wrapped up in that identity. Maybe need to not wear that watch or just kind of wear my regular clothes that are not, you know, whatever marathon or whatever sports sort of clothes are on. So uh, I think it's all make us sort of think about our identity a little bit more and just uh, hold it probably a little bit more lightly, I think. Mm. I'm, I'm interested. Do you, um, do you move your, change your type of training depending on your mood? So if you had, you know, if you were feeling like you had a day where you needed headspace, but you had like a hard interval session, would you swap that for an easy run? Or do you kind of work your headspace into whatever training you've got that day uh it's a good question generally i've got two workouts per week and i stick to them pretty you know i stick them to the letter you know some days you're not feeling it and you're kind of it's harder work than other days but i remember probably a couple of weeks ago i had a situation where i think it was the start of covid and there's some challenges at work and i was just not feeling this run and i started this was a workout i need to do like intervals and do you know when you're doing intervals you need to be willing to suffer <laughs> mm. and I was starting I was just like no I'm just not really willing and I was just not pushing enough and then I was I just thought this is just ridiculous I'm just stopping um gave myself some time to sort of stop I didn't want to sit down because obviously it was at the time where people are like oh there's a guy sitting in the, in the grass he's supposed <laughs> to be sunbathing so I was conscious not to sit down for too long um I, you know I walked around for a little bit started again Again, I wasn't really feeling it. And I was like, do you know what? I don't really need to do this. I mean, I'm not going to lose any fitness. So I told my coach, I said, I'm, this has happened. I'm not feeling it. So I just sort of kind of walked home. Um, it was just a bit of a long walk. But um, I, I've just learned now that like sometimes if, you, if you're if you not in the right space, then don't push it because you mm-hmm. know, there's no need to be a hero. Sometimes you don't even want to run. It's just it's, I think you just have to... There's a difference between being lazy and just knowing yourself, I think. And I know that I gave it my, my effort that day and I just know that it just didn't it was wasn't the right time to push. Yeah. Yeah, I find that is a really hard balance to to make. I still I don't think I've quite got that yet, but you know that because I uh, like you, I you know, if I've got a session in the diary. I want to stick to it um, and that was part of the problem kind of towards the end of last year was just my sort of type a mentality was just like if my yes. sed- if my schedule says do this do this then i want to tick it off and and i think that is one of the reasons why you know people do progress and excel is because they're willing to kind of really stick with it when their heart says no some days but then equally yeah. like you say you need to be able to make that judgment call some days and go this ain't right and I really find that I still find that really hard to know what days it's okay and what days you slip into kind of just not being bothered. And the the thing, the one thing I've kind of always held on to, having heard it in an interview, and I'm a bit of a Des Linden fan, any super fan anyway, so you know, forgive yeah. me for that. But she said, if I don't fancy it and I come back feeling I wish I hadn't done that run, then I yeah. will take a rest day the next day. But if I come back feeling better than before I started, then I know it's okay and I'm not over pushing it. I thought, well, that's probably quite a good measure, I think. Yeah. yeah. No, that makes sense. And um, I think I do need to give a bit of context to actually what I've said, because um, it was, I think, a couple of weeks before, I think there was a lot of things happening. It was a couple of weeks before London Marathon as well. And I felt I was in really good shape to go sub three. So for me, it was kind of like, what am I racing for? Do you know what I mean? I think you kind of, you that sort of motivation goes and I'd give some comments yeah. before. I mean, like I would be running and during the storms that we had before, 
I'd be out there running in storms. I'd be out there running in rain, snow, whatever, if I knew the goal, the the race was there. But I think for that particular moment of time, I was just like, I've got no goal. And I think that was really mm. hard. And then I had to sort of sit down and like really just sit down with myself after and just think, well, what am I running for? And now I'm back to running. Like that was like a little blip. But since then, I've been okay and I've kind of managed it. But, you know, we're all human. Do you know what I mean? We're all kind of it's okay to feel how you're feeling and you don't have to be like Superman, Superwoman every day. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I think it sounds like you made exactly the right decision. I was kind of reflecting. I wish I could, I wish I could be more like that. I think because, you know, if we don't have a race, then there is a point where actually you shouldn't be pushing yourself every day when you yeah. don't, or when you don't need to, it's, it's more fine to give yourself slack in the same way that, you know, after a marathon, you take the downtime and you can let your inner Homer take over for like a couple of weeks and you really should. And so like, I think someone was talking the other day about the fact that as runners, we don't really have an, a formal off season, which is really hard because there's always other people around you who are training, who you can see training. Whereas in a yeah. lot of other sports, there is a point where everyone stops. And so you lose yeah. that kind of comparison trap for a little time. Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah, I need I need to learn from you a little bit more sometimes. <laughs> I don't know, but I mean I I mean I'd like I would say that literally that is one situation in out of like a couple years. So mm. generally before that I would just push my way through it. Um but for that was probably the first time I was like, no, just stop. But um generally I sort of agree with you because I sort of think that with runners we you know, we like, we just generally don't have an off season, you know, you say you've got like two marathons per year. You know, you've got those two peak parts and then in between you're still like maintaining. You're never just like, I'm just going to take a certain amount of time off. You're like, I still need to maintain my base. And you people to people on the outside, like, what does that mean? And it's like, <laughs> it's like why do you need to run so much and so much? But you're just like, well, because I need to keep that base for when I jump back into marathon training. So uh, it means my mind is constantly saying, should I go for a run today? <laughs> Basically. Yeah. Yeah. And when people say to you, are you running today? You're like, really? Do you have to ask that question? Of course I'm running today. (laughs) (laughs) It's like you go on holiday. I'm still running. (laughs) So, um, yeah, so it's great sort of talking about sort of identity. And it seems like there's a lot more similarities and differences, I think, um, from what we're saying. Uh, One of your big goals, actually, is to get the the US Olympic trials qualified Mm -hmm. time. Now, obviously, you're not American. So, but why is this goal important to you? I love having a goal because it just make it gives me something to aim at, and I'm I am quite driven by that. I think I like to have some kind of hook to hang things on, and um, obviously sub three was like it's a big big thing. Everyone wants to go sub three, um, and so when you kind of hit that, um, you kind of go, oh, okay, well, what now? Um, and actually, I didn't, you know, I didn't find that really deflating or anything. Um, you know, that that's, that's actually quite freeing um, because, as you will know, it is just a number, um, and it can be the, dif- you know, the difference between a good day or a bad day. A random niggle can make the difference between sub three or not sub three. So, yeah, it's it's kind of a number that gets made a big thing of. But actually, once you've done it once, it it kind of unlocks a part of your brain, I think, that gives you a bit of freedom. And so then I kind of, you know, you have a bit of time and you kind of think, well, what 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 do I want to drive for? Do I just want to keep what I'm doing or do I want to push further? And I I heard um, there's a lady called Teal Burrell, uh, who's an American runner who I follow on Instagram. And she um, she uh, got the OTQ time. And that was kind of her big thing, getting to that and getting to the trials. And I just, I kind of identified a lot with what she was talking about. And I thought, actually, that's a really good target because that is, you know, it's it's a tough time to get. So it's not a soft target. I don't know if I'll ever get it. And it's fine if I never do. Um, but it, it gives me something to aim for. And it kind of makes me think, okay, well, you can measure yourself up against these people and kind of think like you know you're on a level with them um yeah I mean it's pretty arbitrary but it's kind of fun to have something to go for and there's nothing like that in the UK so you know got to pick something from somewhere <laughs> fair enough because I was sort of thinking with, with uh, an external goal like that I mean 
how do you sort of keep the intrinsic motivation? I mean, like, what's your why to run like when you're, you know, thinking about that and you're training? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think about the two forty five kind of that much, to be honest. Um, it's the kind of thing that makes me, as a kind of overarching over a year, want to keep training, but it doesn't really enter my mind that much kind of moment on moment in my training I don't think um my why it I mean it changes from moment to moment like obviously I run because I love the feeling of it I love the exhilaration I love the way that um it connects me with the seasons um as a Christian I love the way that it enables me to see how my body is made and how how it works and kind of tap into that and rejoice in that um but I love to race and I like to have a challenge um and I feel like that's the mindset I've been given the kind of um how my brain ticks so why not embrace it (laughs) yeah for sure um and along the way you've obviously worked with a running coach can you sort of tell us um how that's helped you um with your running yeah when I um when I first sort of thought about trying to go for sub three so uh it was back in like 2014 I think it was after six weekly put a shout out um saying um we want to do a thing where we're going to follow some runners through as they prepare for Manchester Marathon you'll write a bit for us um and we'll kind of help you out along the way and stuff and it sounded fun and I was kind of I'd run some I think I'd run like 310 at that point and I kind of thought oh well, you know maybe if I sell it to them that I'm going to try and go for three hours um so I signed up for that and luckily got accepted on it and I thought well if I'm going to try for this then I should probably try and get a coach so I just found someone who I saw advertised um in there and turned out to be uh, you know a really great guy he's really helped me out a guy called Ben Barwick from Full Potential uh, running um, I'm not actually coached by them anymore just recently not for any bad reason just um, as it happens but um, uh, but yeah I remember him saying to me when we started out you've basically like bulldozed your way to the time that you're doing at the moment because all I ever did was just run a lot but pretty slow yeah. like steady all the time I didn't really have any structure so he put some structure in um, uh, as I said I, you know when it comes to running potentially have bit of an addictive personality um and so he actually I think the key thing that having a running coach has done for me is stop you running too much actually um and kind of putting some shape into the week and saying you don't need to do that or you can do that if you want to but it's probably not going to get you anything so if you're feeling tired just cut it out I think I think it's really nice as well what you sort of talk about um just a part of personality as well and I can sort of relate to this as well with my coach is that maybe trying to push too much and then having someone to to sort of not bring you in but bring you back and just be like look these are the reasons why we're doing this this is why we're doing that and you kind of learn through the the process and the time but and it's also just learn that patient side which is not so easy at the beginning uh, when you want to kind of just uh, push through and just get those results and I think that's one of the, the things about running it's just things take time yeah and I think you know as runners we we love to talk about our training don't we we love to kind of compare notes we love to read up about it there's little magazines you can search the web so there are always people saying oh you could do this you could do that and the temptation is to kind of cherry pick from all over the place and to call the secret sessions (laughs) yeah yeah and to be (laughs) constantly the silver (laughs) bullet um But um, constantly second guessing yourself as well. So I think yeah. like, when you're training on your own without a coach, you're constantly thinking, "Oh well, oh, have I made the wrong decision on that? Should I be should I be using this training method? Should I, should I be using that training method?" And actually having a coach and and to some extent paying them, so you kind of think to yourself, "Okay, well actually, yeah, I'm you know I'm paying this person, so I should probably shut up and do what they tell me to do." Um, is really help. It just takes some of the like the the kind of um not energy like it, it's quite draining constantly second guessing yourself so I love the fact that I could just wake up in the morning look at my spreadsheet and go okay yeah I'm gonna go do that today and that was it I didn't have to think any more than that yeah yeah no I agree um I just want to go back to what you said about Manchester in 2015 and you 
and you're targeting that sub three and you're so close. I mean, you ran like three hours and like one second. And <laughs> in one hand, like also you've gone on to break sub three, but you, you know, you've had some sort of attempts like that. And for me, I had a situation last year when I ran the New York City Marathon and I ran it in three hours and 19 seconds and it's getting so close, but just not close enough. Um, what do you think for you was the kind of the change and like, how did you sort of keep motivated to then go forward and do your PB in Florence when you think you ran like 253? Um, yeah, I mean, that, um, so that 259.61, as I like to call it, um, in Manchester <laughs> kind of, kind of did me a favour actually, because, well, for first, as you will know, people say to you, well, could you, could you not have just tried a little bit harder, like for that one second? And you're like, do you think... <laughs> If I could have done, <laughs> I would have gone, ah, no, you know what? I'll just let that second tick over. We <laughs> learned um, that it was a short course. So actually, I'd yeah. probably run more like three hours, two minutes. Um, but they yeah. didn't find that out or didn't tell us until over a year later. So I basically okay. trained that whole year for Manchester next year thinking, well, it's only one second, so I must have it in me. So it kind of gave me that belief that I could do it. And then broke three in Manchester the next year. A week later, they said, oh, actually, it probably wasn't even that close the year that you went three hours and one second. So I think that kind of mind trick actually did me a huge favour because it gave me that kind of thinking of, well, come on, you must have an extra second in you over a year. Um, And then once I I broke that, I think... um, well, a friend paced me for about the first sort of 16, 17 miles of that uh, when I first broke three hours. So then the next race I ran, I just wanted to prove to myself that I could do it on my own. Um, so it was kind of a separate challenge. So I didn't really care, even if I did 259.59, I didn't get a PB. I wanted to show that I could break three on my own. And I managed that. And actually, in some ways, I'm more proud of that race. Um and then kind of from there, I just, like I was saying earlier, it kind of freed me up to enjoy it. Um, and I so I was just like, well, I've done it now. It doesn't matter if I never, I've done it once, I've done it on my own. If I never do it again, I know I've achieved it. So then I could just kind of go and have fun and do the training and trust that. And also, you know, trust that the coach obviously, you know, done something right. Um, and it just made running so much more fun. Uh, for the record, I was following your New York um run and I like refreshing the whole way around and I was like oh this is galling like I mean uh because you you were so obviously in sub three shape it's one of those days where um you know for whatever reason it didn't happen and yeah just having seen like how hard you train and the joy with which you do it as well I was like oh no Marcus I'm so sorry (laughs) Uh, yeah I believe so it's funny when you sort of said when people said what were you resting because people said that to me in a jokey way like were you tying your shoelaces I'm like well clearly I wasn't was there a point that you didn't believe I was like well not really <laughs> I was trying until the end <laughs> so uh but I mean it was just an interesting time for me I mean like you, I, I, afterwards I was just so like so many emotions because you sort of think of like all the things you've given up like family uh, to do it mm-hmm. uh, family time and uh but then afterwards I spoke to my wife I was like I gave it the best I could and, you know, I, I haven't really looked back at it. And I think it's similar to what you were saying now. I, I believe it's possible. So, like, next mm. time, I just, I know I've got that sort of that, that confidence as well, extra confidence. So, um, but it's just interesting to sort of hear how you, you know, yeah. broke it yourself and you've got that confidence. And I really like the, the fact that you sort of said that um, when you ran it by yourself, you kind of, you know, gave you that extra bit of determination and, and pride almost. I mean, what were you thinking about? in I guess I guess the second half of the that marathon and when I say the second half I mean like the last 10k of the marathon when it sort of really gets a bit difficult um in the first time I broke it yeah um I want to sit down (laughs) mainly (laughs) never never ever want to wanted to sit down so much in my life as at mile 23 of the Manchester marathon that year kind of a combination between I just really want to stop and uh if 
so one of the one of the phrases that I repeat to myself so much when I'm racing is if not now when um and that was basically it was like if you know you've got a chance like why why would you stop trying now like because you're just going to be so annoyed with yourself when you cross that line so it don't stop saying to yourself if not now when until you've like lost it on the line like until it's gone um and that's something which I still keep trying to do and I mean Valencia this year I did a 255 and I was desperate to run a PB and I think in some ways I was in shape um we had a really rough couple of weeks with um, my little boy the couple of weeks beforehand um and that obviously didn't help I don't know whether it's that or you know or whether I wasn't in shape but I was pretty upset when I crossed the line there because I again like I felt like I'd given up so you know I'd put my family through so much to do it um and I'd you know had this whole like hot like decision about whether to even go and run or not and I remember phoning uh, my husband afterwards and he was like you did amazingly I'm so proud you know and I was like oh no it was like you know pretty fed up about it but actually within like an hour of it I was like do you know what I did there are times when I didn't do what I wanted to do in that race but now I know and next time I'm gonna tweak that bit so every I think every race as well as you will know you learn something from and it's such a cliche but like I think I could keep racing forever and every time I'll be like okay that mile I've learned that thing and I'm gonna apply that next time (laughs) yeah but yeah you, you learn something and even at the end of having to learn how to deal with it I mean like what you said there is like sounds like the conversation that I had with my wife after New York because you feel like it's not like you emotionally cold but it's just like you you get through training and then you get through the race and then all the feelings of all the work you've done comes out of that moment mm. and then you speak to the person you, you you love or whatever and it's quite a challenging moment then afterwards you're like think for me like after like 10 15 minutes you're like well actually you could put things rationally and then you could move on um and i think that's something you probably you get better at i guess the more you run i I imagine yeah definitely yeah definitely and i um you know the older the older i get um the more perspective it brings and also i have to again as a christian i have to keep reminding myself that you know it's good to good to try these things um but life is not all about me and um it does not you know in the end it doesn't matter what I run and that is both freeing and also you know quite humbling because you can be doing all this stuff and doesn't actually matter in the end in some ways um but it also frees you up to race hopefully a bit more fearlessly so yeah for sure um I just want to go back to your uh running and training now obviously you mentioned about your son being born and you know there's unlike the fact that you sort of detail your um your training on your website I mean how do you I know we touched upon it in the beginning but how do you sort of juggle work family training um and just fitting it all in I mean what sort of tips would you give other parents out there that are trying to do the same sort of thing uh I fail a lot um, and I keep trying, basically. Um, yeah, there are many, many decisions, um, both overarching and daily, that I have made that I am, you know, not proud of. And every time I kind of reassess and I try and do better. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's that. Um, don't think for one second that the person that you see doing this thing has got it right or thinks they've got it right because they certainly don't um that said um top thing that i've learned that i i am getting better at and i wasn't very good at at the start is just be really clear with your communication and expectations so actually most of the um tension that has come out is of you know me thinking oh I shouldn't go for a run because it's really inconveniencing my husband and I feel really awful about it and actually if I'd asked if I'd said that to him he would have been like "Mm, don't be ridiculous it's totally fine go um and so there's a lot of that kind of second guessing each other which is when you think about it ridiculous because as they say with all relationships communication is key but I think it it just multiplies in this case the other thing um, which has really bugged me is um, is that 
I've heard so many amazing women runners on podcasts talking about how they get up really early before their kid wakes up and they go for their training then. And I'd foolishly thought, well, I can do that because I love early mornings. I don't care how early I have to get up. That is fine. If you want me to get up at half past four in the morning so I can go do a long run, whatever, um, I'm willing to take that hit. However, we've had a child that does not sleep consistently. Um, so he has bad patches and good patches, but you can never guarantee when he's going to wake up. So I could never guarantee that if I went out four or five, six in the morning, he wasn't going to wake up at that point. And therefore my husband wasn't going to be stuck with him from ridiculous o'clock in the morning. So I never really had a patch where I could guarantee that it was going to be fine for me to run. So I really rapidly had had to learn kind of flexibility and it's not something I've been good at I've always been the kind of person who loves getting up and doing my run first thing in the morning getting it done um, and setting myself up for the day and I've had to learn that some days that just isn't possible and uh, that I'm going to go through a day going oh can I run now oh no I can't oh yes I can and I find that quite stressful um, but it's something I've had to learn to do and actually I think I'm probably a better runner as a result because if I had to run a race in the evening previously, I would have found that really hard, whereas now I find that much easier. But yeah, so I think that would be my key thing is, and again, it's it's that age-old saying of don't compare yourself to other people. Don't expect your life to be like someone else's. It's very easy to look at other pregnant runners or other running moms or parents and think, oh yeah, I can do it like that. And just life is not like that. It doesn't work out that simply. You've got to find your own path. Yeah, there's no perfect people out there, are there? I mean, everyone's got their challenges, no matter what mask we wear or how we put it across on whatever channels that we use. And uh, no, thanks for sort of sharing that, because I sort of think like, you know, that's something that you don't really think about before you're having kids. And it's such a, you know, sleep is a big thing. And uh, oh, <laughs> well, you don't get it, you, you know. <laughs> so it's a no when everyone's like, oh, no, I get my seven, eight hours of sleep. I'm like, really? <laughs> I don't. Oh, <laughs> so. And yeah, also be prepared to be incredibly frustrated with all the podcasts you hear or or training things you read that are like, you know, sleep is key. You must be getting this for your recovery. Yeah. These are the top tips of how to sleep better. And I, just the amount of times I've been shouting at a podcast going, do none of you have children? <laughs> like, no, please, can we don't. have one? Which is like uh, how to maximize recovery for parents of small babies and toddlers please can someone do that podcast from experience <laughs> because i would listen to it yeah but i think no one has out. because no one knows the answer <laughs> yeah it's simple yeah it's a lot easier to sort of give us the kind of general sort of rules which don't apply in real life um and i can sort of testify yeah. to that um <laughs> now you've been a, a long-time advocate for women's running even before the stuff you did with like fast running um, you're always reporting your website about, you know, women's running. Um, what was your incentive to do this? And why did you sort of feel passionate to sort of cover this this topic? Um, so it came up because um, the running groups I was part of, um, like super friendly and um, but I f and, and lovely. And and there were lots of people who ran that didn't like to race. And there were, then there were people who liked to race and liked to really challenge themselves times and I found that there was this weird disconnect between um it almost felt uh it sounds really harsh but it almost felt like if you wanted to go and chase times it was sometimes seen as a bad thing like um you know like you should you should find your joy in running your why in running should be something more than just a pb which is absolutely true but it can be that and you can still be driven by PBs and times and striving for excellence. And also I found that um, like couch to 5K and things like that are brilliant. But it feels like often they take people to a certain point and then they go, there you are. That's as good as you can be. Just go and, you know, pot around, which is fine. If that's what you want to do, that is totally fine. But I think there are so many women at, or, um, out there who were taken to that point. And actually, if someone said to them, you could be really good at this this is how you do that this is how you train look at these people look at look at what they've done then that would empower them so much more um you could you could go so much further um and i just wanted to um 
phone bring light that that there are people out there who can love running and have come to it from all different ways and are up there competing with the best and I mean marathon running in particular like very few of us I think would be able to name um well up until recently particularly name kind of the top marathon runners in the UK there just isn't that kind of publicity um and yet there's some fascinating people out there um and I just thought like the more you the more you learn about a sport the more exciting it is isn't it I mean like I am, you know, I'm not a Formula One fan, but when someone explains something to me about the way that the different teams interact, I naturally come watch the race and find it much more interesting. And the same with marathon running. Like if I know who is in a race, I'm going to find it much more interesting. Because otherwise I look at a race and I go, yeah, there's some fast Kenyans, some fast Ethiopians and some other people, which is awful because A, it's basically racist um, because I'm not treating the Kenyans and the Ethiopians as anything other than a nation. And then also, it's just really like, I'm not getting anything out of that because I've got, I'm not championing, you know, I'm not following anyone. I'm not kind of understanding where they've come from or whether they're performing well. So that's kind of, yeah, where that came from. Um, I wanted to show that it's okay to strive for excellence and that we can all do it and to kind of big up some of those people who are managing to do it. I mean, what areas do you sort of think that need to be addressed in 2020 to better support uh, female runners? I mean, sports companies and things like that who are kind of doing those promotional campaigns. Like if if there were more fem- female, particularly your kind of your long distance runners and stuff on those campaigns, I think that would be really interesting. I think actually, you know, Elsie Davis, who works for the NHS, uh, she's a training GP and married to an NME doctor. Uh, she's had quite a lot of publicity recently because she should have been running London and obviously being part of the NHS but uh, she's been in the limelight a lot and I think you know that's made her a bit of a poster girl um, certainly within our community and I think that's really interesting maybe there's something to be said for yeah the companies that have the money uh, supporting long distance or just women runners in general but I think also that whole um sort of couch to 5k thing I wonder if there needs to be a much a clearer kind of next path next steps path as a kind of you know if you want to take it in this direction then you can find trail running and there's this kind of route in your area or you know hooking them up with athletics clubs or that kind of thing and empowering people to do that also just the amount of women's sport in the sports pages pitiful um I mean the Telegraph have started started a women's sports uh, uh, supplement, which is excellent. So that's really good. But I kind of don't want it to be a separate thing. I want it to just be part of the sports coverage. And it's getting better. It definitely is. Um, but, you know, like even just the amazing running in Valencia from a lot of the British runners last December, like barely made the headlines. The fact that Last year, our top three marathon times of all time for women were set. Uh, two of them were, were set. So um, Charlotte Perdue, first of all, went third uh, at London Marathon. And then Jess Piasecki beat that in Florence. Um, so we have Paula Radcliffe. Everyone knows her. Mari Yamuchi, who knows who she is? Not very many people. That's really, really shameful. And then you've got Jess Piasecki and Charlotte Purdy, who both set, both set their PD, PBs. Like, how many people actually knew that happened last year? And yeah, yeah, we say that Britain isn't good at sport. Like, we had a really good year last year. Like, it's just, I, yeah. yeah, it's just frustrating. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. And even I think of people like, um, even in Ireland, like, if we cook, mm-hmm. um, I mean, she ran like, uh, 232 national champion fastest yeah. Irish woman who ran a marathon in Ireland and not a lot of coverage there and it's just like kind of disappointing really because she's yeah. like so close to I think she's going to get the 229 time and do some great things when 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 sort of running does sort of resume. One thing I think as well would really help um, and I don't know you know how we how we fix this but I do think um, you know the, the top um particularly like top female runners are often you know um 
Ethiopian and Kenyan. And from my research, I've actually found it incredibly hard to find out much information about them. And I think that, again, leads us to that kind of um, kind of shameful lumping of people together into a group. And actually, I think, you know, one of the things that like Elio Kipchoge has done is he's he's been very open with he's created a persona that we can all latch on to. And I wish there was a bit more of that with some of the, um, the women champions as well, because I would like to know more about them as people so that I can get behind them and, and kind of um, compare them in a good way to, you know, the British runners or the um, American runners or whatever. Um, I think, yeah, I think that would be good because I think, um, like, you know, footballers and that, they're much more savvy at sharing their stories. And I get why people don't want to, you know, there's lots of downsides of sharing too much of yourself um, as a sport but I think that would really help too yeah yeah for sure um I know you've sort of uh mentioned uh, some top sort of female marathoners there and I know in your work you've done some interviews and things like that with them now mm-hmm. with the athletes that you've met uh, you don't have to name drop but what are the kind of the biggest lessons that they've taught you that you've taken into your running it's okay to bide your time um the amount of people, yeah, I've spoken to quite a few who've had, you know, big long patches where they've not really seen any change or they've had a really rough patch for several years um, and they've just, you know, settled back a bit, you know, enjoyed their running for a bit and then on back to it again a few years later and actually it's been fine to do that. So I think don't panic is <laughs> quite good as well. Um, trust. If you're going to have a coach, I think trust them um, and let them do what they're meant to do, but also have a mind of your own, which is is hard to hold in tandem, I think. Um, but, you know, coach, coaches in general are coaches, you know, because they know what they're doing. They've got time to do the research. They don't have to be good runners. That doesn't matter most of the time. But also, and again, this is particularly, I think, applicable to women, most of the time your coach is not going to be a woman and so you need to be smart you need to communicate um and you need to do your own research as well i think i just want to move on to uh something that i find really fascinating about yourself is about your faith on your instagram page you note that you're a christian runner um can you sort of tell me a little bit about this and how you connect your running and your faith together it's something again that I'm I'm trying to be better at more and more. I mean, by nature of, of faith, um, it's something that you want to kind of uh, improve on um, all the time. But I think it it feeds really. They build each other up. So I think you know, running allows me time to think. It allows me um, to, as I said before, you know, I believe that I was created by God, um, and He He made me the way I'm made. I'm grateful that he's made me with a mind that loves running and that is able to run. Um, and so I want to thank him for that. And so that brings a kind of a joy and a, and a freedom to running most of the time when I'm in my better mood. Um, and also, I think it just I f- it makes me find it really fascinating because I can feel how my body works and I can therefore appreciate the way it's being created more. Um, and as I said before, it, it kind of frees you up a bit too because I know that. Um, you know, um, God has God has created me. He has a plan for me, um, and He loves me regardless of whether I PB or not. Um, so <laughs> I think that's really helpful um, and kind of frees you to try and perform. But it also makes you go, Do you know what? He made me like this, so I'm going to use it to the best of my ability. I'm going to try and honour Him with that. So I think we've had sort of conversations offline that faith and that's been really helpful for me personally no one has all the answers but I like the fact that you're you do your best with what you have to be honest um we were talking about prayer I think in one conversation offline and I think you were sort of saying well about how you sort of you, you try to structure it sometimes it doesn't always work but you still have a structure in place to, to you know try to facilitate that it happens um and just sort of seeing from your side like it was just like well look no one's perfect but you're doing the best that of what you have which is i think which is really good um and i was just thinking i know you sort of touched upon this earlier in the conversation but i think the current time has like created a lot of uncertainty i mean how are you sort of keeping uh grounded with your faith at the moment 
there are many times over the last month when I thought, oh, goodness, I don't know what the heck is going on with the world. Um, and I've really had to go back to basics and think, um, what stuff do I really believe to be true? What really matters? And um, the amount of times over the last month when I said, I know God is good and I know he's in control. And I don't know how those two things marry up at the moment, but I believe them both to be true. I know they're true and I'm going to hold them together somehow and just hang on to that for dear life. Um, that, yeah, that's been the key thing, I think. And just the fact that um, God doesn't change. So the world has been thrown up in the air. All the stuff that I thought I was in control of has been thrown up in the air. And I think for a lot of us, we think we're in control, particularly, you know, um, in this country. There's a, you know, we've got a pretty good life. We, we feel in control of our lives. And as runners, you know, we feel quite in control a lot of the time. You know, if I train like this, then I can expect to see to a certain extent certain outcomes. And it's been really good in that it's thrown all that up in the air and gone, you're not in control you're really not so who is in control and I believe that to be God um who's in control and yeah I think that's been it's been hard but it's been really beneficial and my church community has just been really important we've still been meeting online uh, so I go to a church called the Eastern Church um and we have online services every week uh, and bible studies in the middle of the week and things like that um and it's really made me think am I just Am I believing this stuff because, it, again, it gives me an identity, it gives me a hobby, it, it's something to think about, or do I actually really believe this stuff? What does your sort of prayer conversations look like whilst you're running? Yeah, um, so I used to do a lot of run commuting, um, and I used to pray quite a lot then. I'm really bad at praying, if, if I'm honest. Um, my mind gets distracted very easily. I've never found meditation or anything like that very easy. Um, so I'm really terrible at making time just to have a conversation with God. Um, and so running has really helped me with that because I can't get distracted in the same way. You know, my hands can't be doing anything else. I can't be looking at the computer. So I really value it for that. Um, so I've had to, you know, find ways of doing that without my run commutes and stuff. Um, and so often it is just, it's mulling over... Uh, what the day I'm about to go into is like and kind of talking to God about my fears about that and um, kind of searching for the things that I know about God and the things that I read in the Bible how they speak into those fears and and what things I'm not believing about God that I should be that is the reason I'm fearful so for example you know at the moment um, if I'm saying to God look I'm I'm scared about the fact that we have to move. I'm not going to know anyone. Um, what if, you know, what if it's the wrong decision for Monty? What if, you know, life isn't right up there for him? And actually, that is showing that I don't believe that God is good. I don't believe that he loves me. I don't believe that he is in control to the fullest extent. Like that is just, it's, and so it's those kind of conversations I have. And I think running gives me the time to kind of work through those things. So it sounds really like, it sounds like I'm being really harsh on myself. It's not that at all. It's it's having the time when you're running to just free flow your thoughts and let um, let my mind um, rest on the things that I know are really true rather than being distracted by the other stuff of life, I think. I realised that I, I spoke a lot there about kind of, you know, me asking God for stuff, but actually what I also do a lot of um, and again, not in a, like a self-flagellation way particularly, but it allows me time to kind of um, think back over things that I've done the wrong way or said the wrong way or thought the wrong way as well. And and, and apologise to God and figure out how I'm going to apologise to anyone I need to apologise to. So I find it, yeah, it's really valuable for that as well um, for a bit of, um, yeah, just realising the ways, the things that I've done wrong in my life too. So. I just want to move on to the final questions. Um, what is one non-negotiable behaviour that you do daily? Um, drink coffee? Is that really bad? <laughs> I should have something much more salient than that. But if I'm honest, that is the one thing that definitely happens every day. If I if I was if I was saying what I wished it was, um, 
it would be pray, read my Bible and run. Um, <laughs> but in reality, <laughs> the one thing that without fail happens is me drinking coffee. I don't don't feel bad because I've had a couple of other people say the same thing. So uh, <laughs> you're not alone there. <laughs> yeah. And what's the biggest lesson that running has taught you? That some days you're better than you can ever imagine you would be. And some days you think you're awesome and you're really not. <laughs> Balance of perspective and awareness, right? Yeah, I think so. So what I mean is that um, I, it's surprising what you can achieve when you put your mind to it in that kind of cheesy manner. But also uh, running reveals a lot of the things about myself that I wish it didn't. So it has revealed on frequent occasion that I am quite self-centered and um, I want to do my thing on my time frame. Um, and then I've realized that actually that's that wasn't fair that time um and partly because it's allowed me thinking time or partly because I've got to the end of a training block and was like oh my goodness you've been really horrific to the people around you in this training block um but other times yeah it's given me that absolute joy of like wow this is amazing this is really cool look you know look at what you can achieve look at how many friends you made you know look at all the joy it's brought you that last bit is almost like you're talking about me to a certain extent because I feel like that in some respects, especially with like work and family life, it, you do feel quite selfish in doing this sport. And mm. especially because it's about the time it requires and the commitment it requires. Um, so I can totally <laughs> relate to that. <And> it's sometimes <laughs> quite hard to sort of square it off. Um, just being like, yeah, I'm being my best self, but it's being selfish at the same time. <laughs> if I don't yeah. be my best self, then I can't be best with someone else. And you know what? There are many times when I wish I was good at, or I wish I loved team sports, because it sometimes yeah. feels like if I was going out the training nights, you know, three times a week with a hockey team or a football team or whatever, that would be okay because it's a, like a community thing, and you're making friends and. Uh, you're being part of a team there's like a group goal uh, part of something bigger etc and that feels like and this is probably just grass has always been a but that feels like that would be more acceptable than I am going out every day because I want to achieve this thing and I am going to do it um, and that feels a little bit less acceptable um, but I'm rubbish at team sports <laughs> so this is where I am <laughs> You never say never. You never know. Um, it's been great talking <laughs> You haven't seen my ball skills. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's loads of other team sports you can play. I'm trying to think one, one yeah. without a ball, actually. Football, <laughs> ball, cross. <laughs> just thinking, bowls. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Football. I mean, oh, darts. Bowling. No, no. that's not team sports. Darts, yeah. Darts, there's one. <laughs> um, <laughs> honest, yeah. yeah. I've basically got no hand-eye coordination, which is also why my running gait is probably so horrific there we go if it does it if it works don't break it too much right <laughs> exactly i think it always looks worse when we look back at it so uh especially when we do that slow-mo on the treadmill it's um, like man <laughs> yeah i mean my coach used to say to me he's like yeah that was pretty awful <laughs> and i was like yeah he's like oh well we got the time <laughs> never mind <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> thanks mate that's really lovely yeah, exactly. In your head, you th you feel like I've so got this, and you look at the video like I so haven't. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, nothing worse than watching that end of marathon cycle when you feel like you're flying and you're giving it everything all the way to the line, and you look back and you're like, oh my word. It's like here's a sprint in your mind, like I'm sprinting, and you look back at you like I'm, I look like I'm just jogging. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'll never forget um one race i did uh in italy and some friends came out with me and it was, it was so much fun um uh but my mate said to me at the end he was like i had a bottle of wine in my rucksack and i out sprinted you i was like oh shut up <laughs> <laughs> oh you, you need friends like that for yeah. this, uh, that's good to have uh joe it's been great talking to you uh final question uh, where can people follow your journey online um, I am on Instagram. I'm Bland on the Run at, on Instagram. I'm on Twitter at Jill Blah, so that's G I L L B L A. 
Um, I'm uh, I write for fastrunning.com, so you can find me there every other week. I do the weekend roundup of all the racing, or at the moment we do whatever we fancy. Uh, so if you've got any ideas of articles you want to see on fast running, hit me up. Um, and I've also got uh, my blog, uh, bandontherun.com, which is the home of the women's running roundup. So that is a more in-depth uh, women's running roundup every weekend when racing is happening. It's paused at the moment. Um, and that is me and my friend Kaiser, who covers all the trail racing as well. Uh, it's great talking to you, Jill. Uh, thanks for your time. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute joy. Thank you for listening to this episode of Runner's Life. If you found value in this episode and want to support the show, please share with your community, post on your social media channels and encourage them to listen and subscribe. If you want to support my work directly, you can become a member on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash a runner's life. If you want to get in touch with me or see what I'm up to, you can follow me on my Instagram page at themarathonmarcus. Your time is valuable, so thank you for spending your time listening to this episode of a Runner's Life podcast.